If you're like me, you care about getting the most from your workouts, which means wearing the finest performance gear. You know, fabric that dries quickly and has superior moisture wicking properties. Fabric so soft and comfortable, you could, well, curl up and sleep in it. Introducing Sheeks, spelled S-H-E-E-X, the world's first performance bedding line. Sheeks began when two former elite athletes and coaches had an aha moment, combining everything we love about quality performance fabric with everything we love about comfortable, irresistible bedding. Unlike traditional sheets that trap heat, sheets are breathable, so you aren't constantly waking up to throw off covers or add a blanket. So you sleep deeper, longer, and better. And sheets bedding looks as good as it feels. Colors and styles that can match any decor at a price that will pleasantly surprise you. And right now, you can try sheets for 30 nights risk-free. Just go to sleepcoolnow.com. Use promo code 1212 and get $40 off any sheet set. That's sleepcoolnow.com promo code 1212. Sleepcoolnow.com, 12-12. This is our number one of the World According to Zig podcast for this November 26, 2017. My name is John Ziegler. I'm the host of this show where you can still get the truth about news, politics, media, sports, and culture from a true conservative perspective in this world turned upside down. As usual, lots to get to. In fact, yet another three-hour, although not full hours, extravaganza set for you on this week's edition of the World According to Zig podcast. Hour number two, our special guest, because it is a holiday weekend and the Christmas season has begun and we haven't had her on in almost a year I interview my five-year-old daughter, Grace Ziegler, an interview I had exceedingly probably too high hopes for, uh, which um, were not met, but which is still worth listening to. It was uh, adorable and interesting, uh, fascinating at times, a little troubling at others, uh, especially given uh, the number of times when she threatens death. But I think it's I think that was all in jest. But uh, you should definitely check out the uh, interview I do with my five year old daughter, uh, Grace. So we talk about all sorts of different topics that I think you'll uh, find of of great uh, interest. And uh, I hope we'll have uh, some impact on her memory of uh, being a five year old years down the road when she has no real recollection of that or. Uh, anything that her father ever did before the reality that will be coming once she is a teenager. And, of course, like all dads, I will be the biggest loser in the history of the world. But I digress. That's our number two. Our number three, uh, I'm going to add a, um, again, not a full hour, but a, a significant update to last week's hour number three, which uh, dealt with a remarkable development in the so-called Penn State, uh, Jerry Sandusky, Joe Paterno situation where I believe I have come as close as humanly possible to proving that the key date in the entire case, that of the so-called Mike McQuarrie episode, is not just wrong, it's flat wrong. And it's wrong in very, very significant ways, which should in a rational world, but of course we don't live in that world, completely obliterate the current narrative and make everyone question what really did and did not happen there. That's in our number three, so make sure you check that out. Hour number one uh, is our news of the week hour, and um, I, I started this week with yet another uh, television appearance on HLN Network, the CNN Headline News Network. Not sure why they've suddenly taken a liking to me, but I've now been on there three times, and 
in about two or three months, which for me, you know, considering I've been blackballed by virtually every television network, is is a lot. Uh, I don't know if they're that desperate, if they're that their threshold has gone down that far for guests. I'm not sure. Although I still maintain that um, the idea that this network even is afloat is remarkable to me. Because I've been on there three times in three very memorable appearances, you know, with pretty high-profile subjects, and I have gotten next to no response, you know, via Twitter, Facebook, email, what have you, by appearing on that network, which is, you know, that's really hard to fathom. <laughs> it's a national television network. That's, you know, seemingly afloat, doesn't appear as if it's going under any moment, and there doesn't appear to be much audience. I, you know, just to give you a sense, and I, I talk all the time about how broken the business model is for these shows, and that's a large part of how we got Donald Trump, because especially on the conservative side and conservative talk radio, the business model was so broken that they need to do absolutely everything they can to maximize ratings at every moment. Because if they don't, the whole thing's going to collapse. Well, HLN is a really good example. I've been on that network many times sporadically over the years because they have an office in Los Angeles. I live just north of Los Angeles. And it's always been standard operating procedure that when you do these shows especially if you have a long drive, and especially in Los Angeles where traffic is insane, the one thing you get, you don't get paid, but you get a limo ride. That's, that's part of the standard deal. And HLN actually stopped providing standard limo rides. So when I, went, when I did the uh, show two or three months ago, about uh, I guess it was two months ago with the Trump NFL controversy, I had to drive myself in which I didn't want to do, and I'm like, whatever, but I, you know, I, I like the subject, and it'll be good for the column, and it'll be fun. Who knows what might happen? So I, I, you know, I didn't have anything better to do that day, so I drove myself in. And they told me at the time that they, they could no longer afford to do limo rides. I'm thinking, wow, a national television network is now, you know, they're, they're so now down to the bone that they can't even do that. How in the world are they going to survive long term? Well, interestingly... When they asked me on twice in the last couple of weeks, in fact, two consecutive shows, uh, previous Friday and then this Monday, they did provide a limo ride. And um, I had two explanations for that. One is that I guess Trump has elevated everybody's ratings so much that now they can afford to do, do what they were doing before. That's number one. And number two, part of the reason why I got a limo ride, I'm convinced, is because I wasn't that interested in doing the show. In other words, I think they, they gauge whether or not to provide the limo, one, on you know how big a celebrity you are, which I'm not. So you know, they, they figure out, oh, Ziggler, we don't need to give him a ride. And two, is the, is the guest really chomping at the bit to come on, or do we need to entice them in order to make it happen? And on both occasions, my first reaction is, well, I, I, I might be able to do it, but I can't do it. Unless at least I get a limo ride and, you know, certain other things are are taken into consideration. And it's just like dating. I mean, it's bizarre. But they, I, I truly believe that that's why they gave me the limo ride was because I wasn't that interested in doing the appearances. So and, and this is why I have so little respect 
for cable news in particular and network television news in general. It's it's all just a joke. It's all just a game. It's all it, and that's what it is. And this appearance was a classic example of that. We we were talking about this uh, judge in Ohio who went on Facebook in the midst of all these sexual abuse allegations and bragged about all the beautiful women that he'd had sex with. And this is a guy who's running for governor of Ohio as a Democrat. And I started, to, you know, I wanted to, to juice up the conversation, so I, I started to talk about alpha males versus beta males and how. Republicans in the era of Trump love alpha males and, you know, Democrats and liberals love beta males like Barack Obama. Barack Obama's the perfect male for them. And for Trump, you know, a fake alpha male, he's not even a real alpha male, but a, a fake al- alpha male is, is exactly what they're looking for. Interestingly, the host of the show <laughs> said, well, I really think Barack Obama's the perfect male, which, of course, that's not surprising because she's part of the liberal mainstream news media. That's this the way it works. But, you know, the show, it was a fun appearance. Uh, again, it got no reaction, uh, you know, that I could tell from, from any uh, discernible audience. But um, it's all just a show. That's what it is. What you see on television is a show. And, you know, most people, I always say this, most people, when they go on these shows, their goal is to get invited back. I don't care. (laughs) I really don't care if I'm invited back because I already know that I'm a square peg in a round hole world. It's never going to work for me in television in this era. There's no chance of it. So I actually take it as a badge of honor that I don't get asked because because it's such a damn joke. The whole thing is just a big fat scam. And uh, you know, who knows if I'll be asked on again if it's convenient and the subject matter is uh, fun enough, uh, you know, I'll do it. If it's not fun, if it's not interesting, I won't. And I don't really care if they ask me back or not. But I do find it interesting with regard to the nature of the business and where it is in this era of Trump. Now, obviously, the big story continues to be all of these different uh, sex abuse allegations, and you know, there was no subsiding of that this week, a lot of news on a lot of fronts. I wrote a column, which you can find at freespeechbroadcasting.com, uh, saying something that no one else is going to say. And I, I guess that's, if I have an expertise, I guess that's what it is. Again, it's partially because I don't care. See, that, See that's what makes me different than every other commentator. Every other commentator cares about their audience, cares about their career, cares about being liked, cares about not losing gigs. I don't. I don't care. I really don't. I'm so far beyond it. I'm over it. I'm done with it. I, you know, there's an there's a exceedingly good chance that in a year or two you'll never hear from me ever, maybe even sooner than that. And I've already accepted that. It's already baked into the cake, which makes me a very dangerous person because I don't give a shit, okay? I, and therefore, I can tell the truth about things nobody else will. And I did that this week in this column where I talk about a huge portion of these sex abuse claims coming against a very similar type of male. Now, granted, there's a lot of differences in these stories. There's a very wide disparity when it comes to the allegations. But for a large portion of these, especially the most high-profile ones, the guys are almost all white. They're all male. And they're almost all ugly physically, or at least unattractive. 
And that's not a coincidence. And I go into great detail, in a way no one else is stupid enough to do, about why I think that is. And the basic of the theory, though I urge you to check out the column because I get into greater detail than I can in a podcast, but the essence of the theory is that the reason why a lot of guys, heterosexual guys especially, seek positions in media, entertainment, and politics is because if they were ugly and or geeky nerds as teenagers, they never got any female attention. And they realized that the only way to make themselves attractive to women, especially good-looking women, was to be famous or rich or powerful or some combination thereof because they weren't going to do it on looks or coolness or personality or athletic ability or something like that. So they looked at the landscape and they said, okay, that's why I want to do this. Not It's not the only reason why they want to do this, but that's a big part of it. It's a big part of the equation no one wants to accept. And so what ends up happening? So you have these geeky guys who have gotten no female attention during their formative teenage years, and then they become adults, and then all of a sudden they get the fame, the power, the money, or some combination thereof, and they're now for the first time at least somewhat attractive to good-looking women. Well, this is like a new toy. This is like a sports car they want to take out driving. And inevitably, like this new toy, they abuse it. They go too fast. They drive too recklessly. They end up crashing and burning. They overpunt their coverage. They become delusional about how women view them and whether or not they are attractive to women. People need to understand, and this is, this is another part of the reason why I have disdain for the media and no interest, uh, partially because I know it's not possible given my background and where I am in my career, but partially it's not, it's not interesting to me anymore to be famous or be, to be a celebrity. There's some benefits in what you might be able to do with, with, with that platform, but inherently it's not interesting to me because I see celebrity as a disease. It is a disease. Now, I've had a lot of contact with a lot of pretty famous people. A lot of powerful people, a lot of rich people. And, you know, there's some that remain well-adjusted, but that's more the exception than the rule. The rule is you become delusional about who you are, about how people view you. I think this is the biggest problem with Trump. This is, at its essence, this is why I never wanted Trump to be president. Because a man who has pursued celebrity his entire life and has this disease in as large a portion as anybody I've ever heard of, is uniquely ill-equipped to be president of the United States. Because he, among other things, he cannot judge interactions with human beings properly. That's part of the repercussions, one of the repercussions of this disease called fame or celebrity. And another repercussion is that when you're dealing as a heterosexual male with women, you are delusional because there's a percentage, and I don't know what the percentage is, but there's a percentage of women, sometimes very attractive women, who act exactly as Donald Trump suggested and described in that Access Hollywood tape, which, by the way, he's now claiming is fake. Well, I'll get to that. I'll get to that in a little bit. But as he described, when you're a star, they'll let you do anything. Even grab their pussy. 
Well, there's a certain percentage of women who are like that. And so when you're a little bit famous or a little bit rich or a little bit powerful and some women respond to you like that, that way, your ability to tell which women are going to respond to you like you're George Clooney or Brad Pitt and which women are going to respond to you like you're still Harvey Weinstein, the fat, ugly slob. And he might not be a great example because it's possible he's he's actually into criminal rape. I don't know. I think we'll find that out. But in a lot of these cases, a lot of these cases are guys who are in situations where they are acting wrongly, inappropriately, perhaps even criminally, but partially because they think the women are going to respond positively to them. Charlie Rose is the perfect example of this. In his statement, before he basically got fired from CBS and and, uh, PBS, in one of the most amazing media downfalls you'll ever see. And I'm, I'm actually amazed that hasn't gotten more publicity. <laughs> I think it was partially because of the Thanksgiving holiday came about. But he said, you know, he had always thought that the feelings of the women were reciprocated. He now realizes that's not the case. Well, that's exactly what I'm talking about. His picker is all off because he's been famous for too long. He doesn't realize he's Charlie Rose and not George Clooney or Brad Pitt or whoever. And also, by the way, this works in the reverse, this attractiveness situation, because when the male is unattractive, people are far more willing to believe the allegations against the guy. Let's be clear about that. You know, Ryan Seacrest has an allegation against him, and uh, we haven't heard much about that. And I'm going to guess that some Ryan Seacrest gets a pass. Because Ryan Seacrest is too good looking. I mean, that's just the reality. Whether, you know, I know some people think he's gay. I don't know if he is or not. But the reality is he's, it, it doesn't fit. It doesn't fit with a guy that good looking. But when you look at the, these, this list, this incredibly long list of guys who are not attractive, not in good shape, who, are, who would not be traditionally attractive to, you know, the highest quality of woman, then people are much more willing to buy it. Al Franken is a classic example. I'll talk more about him shortly. Al, the, the Al Franken story would not even be taken remotely seriously if Al Franken looked like a movie star instead of like Al Franken. So this works in both directions. And I think it's an important part of the equation. It's not the whole equation by far, but it's an important part of the equation that no one else wants to talk about. And I did in a column, which, again, I urge you to check out at freespeechbroadcasting.com. One of those who I just learned this week, because I was researching that column, one of those that I just learned this week who has been caught up in the um, firestorm involving sex abuse claims is somebody who I'm pretty sure you've never heard of, but has played a pretty major role in my life. He's a guy by the name of Matt Zimmerman, who up until a week and a half ago, was NBC's top uh, talent booker. And specifically, he was Matt Lauer's right-hand guy, his talent booker for the Today Show. And Matt has booked me, I believe he booked me all three times that I went on the Today Show. And uh, he got fired. And I haven't been able to get all the details. He and I have exchanged texts, but we haven't spoken yet. But he got fired apparently because the allegation was that he had sent a couple of late night texts to coworkers that were inappropriate. 
and apparently had two complaints against him by women. And what really caught my eye about Matt, and I don't know Matt well enough to know, are, are these allegations true? I can I know Matt well enough to see where he could be misinterpreted, um, but I need more information. But here's the interesting part. Part of the allegation against Matt was that he was, and when he got the top job as NBC's talent booker, he was replacing men in their positions with women. Now, I'm a presuming, I'm going to presume, that's dangerous, but I'm going to presume that these women must have been fairly attractive for people to notice that that's happening. But here's where, where I get nervous and where I think there's a kind of a, a very weird thing going on that may create uh, unintended consequences for the feminist movement. Because think about what we're doing now, okay? So, so Matt, and again, I need more information, but let, this is what has been reported. So Matt loses this incredibly powerful position, partially because he replaced men with women in key positions. Think about that, folks. That is now evidence of sexual harassment. Again, I don't know if Matt is guilty, but think about the precedent that that sets. It used to be it was sexual harassment if you didn't hire women. Now it's evidence of sexual harassment if you do hire women. Seriously? It's just flat out ridiculous. I mean, that is incredibly dangerous. And not to mention, by the way, in that field of talent booking, gee, I wonder if there's some benefit to being an attractive female when it comes to booking guests on a TV show. Uh, Can we be serious for just a second? There's a reason why 95%, 95% of football sideline reporters are attractive females. And why is that? Well, one, because men watching like to see an attractive female on the screen. But two, if you're a coach or a player uh, who's running off the field, are you more likely to stop for a guy that looks like me or a guy who looks like a woman who looks like Aaron Andrews? Gee, I wonder, I wonder which one the guy is going to be more likely to stop for and get the interview. I mean, this is just basic logic, folks. This is the way the world works. So again, I don't know if Matt is quote-unquote guilty. It certainly seems as if he got railroaded in the midst of this firestorm and in a situation that he certainly would have survived if it had happened two months ago. But that precedent, to me, was really scary. And speaking of precedents, I want to go back to the Al Franken situation because I've had a very, very interesting, fascinating set of circumstances Uh, hit me here as as I find myself in the very strange position of being about the only conservative commentator I know of willing to defend Al Franken. Now, I've written a couple columns about this, uh, including one that I wrote right after the story broke with Leanne Tweeden, where I said it certainly seems like he's getting railroaded. I urge you to check that out at freespeechbroadcasting.com. Since then... A lot has happened. In fact, even since the podcast that I did last week where I discussed this in great detail, why I was very skeptical of Leanne Tweeden's story of Al Franken. Since that time, 
Here's what we've learned, although the media has not reported this. And I'm going to get to, in a second, my effort to report this in the media, which I think is emblematic of this entire issue. So let me just break this down. Since last time I spoke to you via the World According to Zig podcast, a photo has emerged. Actually, actually a couple different photos have emerged that are incredibly, I believe, significant in figuring out whether or not this Leanne Tweeden story is credible at all. The first photograph that has emerged is that in 2009, there was a USO dinner in Washington, D.C., I believe, honoring Al Franken specifically. Renee Zellweger was also honored that night, but Al Franken specifically got an award, right? Well, when you Google that award night, there is a photograph of Al Franken joking around, clearly joking around in a candid situation with a very attractive woman who, for all the world, appears to be Leanne Tweeden. Now, this is three years after the allegation that Tweeden says happened on a USO trip. It's a USO event. It's honoring Al Franken. It's not where Leanne Tweeden lives. It's not a posed photograph. Here she is joking around with the guy. Why is she even there? Why would you go to an event honoring Al Franken that's out of your way to do so? And by the way, it's not just honoring Al Franken. It's honoring him for work he did for the USO, which is work that you now say he was abusing you within. That is... It's just flat out ridiculous. No way. Now, I realize... See, see... Part of the battle here, and this might be, you know, this is where I have some self-interest in this game, because otherwise I have no self-interest. I have a small self-interest because I care about these new rules we're creating. It is fascinating and terrifying to see that the, you know, the what I would call, for lack of a better term, the feminist side of this argument. And I'm I'm a feminist. I don't want anyone to be abused. But I mean, I'm talking about the the liberal feminist you know, go too far uh, in one direction uh, wing of this argument. They are trying to universally discredit all photographs that an accuser takes with their alleged abuser after an event happens. They did this exceedingly successfully with Harvey Weinstein. And I can at least understand that argument, all right? I have never said that a photo like that proves 100% that an allegation is false, but I would suggest that the one in the Franken-Tweeden situation comes as close as you're going to get. One, because this is not, unlike Harvey Weinstein, an allegation of some sort of real sexual assault. This was an allegation of an overly rehearsed kiss for a comedy show that she went through and never said anything about when Franken ends up running for Senate two months later. So the circumstances are totally different. But in my effort to publicize this 2009 Tweeden Franken photograph, I have been hit by numerous high-profile conservative commentators, and I'm sure some liberals as well, telling me that that photograph is totally off, off, uh, you know, irrelevant, off base, in, in cannot be used. And the example they use is Harvey Weinstein. I'm like, what? 
Holy apples and orangutans, Batman. This is not a Harvey Weinstein situation. But do you see what they're doing, folks? If they can create the rule that an accused person cannot even use friendly photographs with an alleged person who, a person who was allegedly abused after the event happens, they have decimated any ability, any ability for that for the accused to defend themselves. And there is now no chance to discredit an accuser of any kind. I even got called by Michelle Malkin's website, Twitchy, when I tweeted out the photograph of the 2009 event where Franken and Tweeden are joking around, I actually got called by, by that supposedly conservative site. I, I got a, uh, what did they use? A victim shaming. I was victim shaming. That's not, that is not victim shaming. Vic, victim, I mean, I, then, then later I got, because I mentioned that she happened to pose nude for Playboy. Now I'm slut shaming. Wait, wait a minute. I never used the word slut. You did. You're the one defending her and you're calling her a slut. Not me. It, the, the issue of posing naked is relevant for a number of reasons. Number one, she's just a news anchor now. She just started becoming a news anchor now. The idea that she's a news anchor at KBC, this crap radio station in LA with no ratings, that was used to give her credibility but it was undeserved because she just started that gig a few months ago. And by the way, that gig gives her in a huge incentive for publicity. Huge incentive, especially since she just got the job. Did you know Leanne Tweeden was working at KBC before two weeks ago? No, you didn't. Now you do. Gee, I wonder if that works to her benefit or not. Come on, people. Use your damn brains. And also, if someone is willing... To pose totally nude for Playboy and in other publications, she's basically nude. If you're willing to do that, what does that mean? Well, one, your threshold for sexual interaction is different. I'll get you that, but that's not still not slut shaming. But you have to acknowledge that. But number two, more importantly, it means you love attention and that you're willing to do almost anything, even pose nude, to get it. It's the same thing as it being a reality TV star. If she was a reality TV star up until 15 minutes ago when she becomes a supposed news anchor on a crap radio station in the morning, I would say exactly the same thing because she craves attention. It goes to motive, all right? So that photo comes out. And so this is amazing to me, folks. This is, listen up. This is really mind-blowing. So, a couple weeks ago, I had written an article about how the media was changing all the rules on what's reportable for sex abuse. And at that time, a major publication, major, one of the most read publications in the country, contacted me and said, hey, look, if in any one of these cases, your BS detector goes off, you know, at a, at a really high level, you know. These go to 11. Right. If you if my BS detector goes to 11, make, you know, feel free to write something for us because we'd like to have it. I'm like, okay. So the Franken thing happens and I contact the publication and I say, all right, my BS detector is now at 11 because there were a couple other things that happened, not just the photo 
in 2009, but also Leanne Tweeden, and there's no media that's reported this, Leanne Tweeden tweeted a photo of her and Al Franken on the night in question five years later in a nostalgic manner. Hey, this was me and Al five years ago. Lots changed since then. Al's a senator now. And it was from that night when they did the USO show that allegedly she says she was sexually assaulted because of this overly rehearsed kiss. Come on, people. It's just flat out ridiculous. But, okay, so I say to this major publication, I'm in. Are you interested? They said, sure, write something up. I write it up. I mention the 2009 photo, all right? And I can tell immediately that they're setting up all sorts of hurdles for me uh, with regard to burden of proof. Because this is the way the media works, folks. In a, if it's a narrative they like, the burden of proof is exceedingly low. If it's a burden, if a narrative they don't like, the, it's amazing how instantaneously the burden of proof is like Wilt Chamberlain high or Manute Bull high. Whatever, you know, as high as you can get. And that's what they're doing. But I'm, I'm fine with that. Okay, I, I get in this environment, you want to get this right. I want to get it right. I don't want to say anything that's inaccurate. So I finish the thing. I get through the original, you know, the, the original editor's, uh, you know, maze and, and uh, you know, basically the, all these hurdles that he puts up to make sure that, that I'm, I'm reporting things accurately. And then he writes to me. I couldn't believe this. I couldn't believe he put this in an email. All right, looks good. I will send it to three women to make sure they are okay with it. What? 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 So, so the first hurdle is I have to go through a white male who's you know going to be incredibly concerned about keeping his job. And then I have to go to three unnamed women. Not one. I, I get, like, you know, for instance, if I write a column about something that's potentially offensive to women, I will run it past my wife because she's, she's got a pretty good sense of these things. So I get, hey, you want to run it past a, a, a trusted female coworker? I'm fine with that. But three women? So now, now I have to be vetted. By the way, Leanne Tweeden didn't get vetted at all. Her story was posted on a website and it immediately went viral with zero vetting. But I have to go through three unnamed, obviously liberal women, because otherwise they wouldn't be working for a major mainstream news media organization, right? So, so now I have to, I, I have a totally new layer uh, of, you know, mind-blowing circumstances I have to go through. And, you know, it's like a, you know, the, a, a bomb field. And, um, and so... So that happens. So then it goes to these three unnamed women. One of the women emails me. I, I presume it's one of the women because it's a female that, that emails me from this publication and says, all right, John, um, we have one question. On the 2009 photograph between Franken and Tweeden, are you sure it's actually her? What proof do you have that it's her? And I'm like, seriously? I mean, I have been posting this photo on Twitter and Facebook, and a lot of people have attacked me on it, but not one person has ever said, that's not tweeting. Not one. Again, I'm like, okay. Uh, and I, I got a bit, you know, this is going to shock you. I got a little snappy. Uh, I said, um, 
No, um, uh, actually, I do not have the DNA test yet to prove that it's actually Leanne Tweeden, but uh, it seems pretty clear that it's Leanne Tweeden. And I even made a concession. I said, look, if you want to put in this this uh, article that it sure looks like Leanne Tweeden, uh, that's fine with me, too. But I'm not going to allow it to be cut out because that's her. And this is critical to this whole story. So and I even sent a link of a couple of different other websites, no mainstream news organizations, but a couple other websites that do newsy stuff that reference Leanne Tweeden as being in the photograph. And there's been no denial from her camp at all. So they decide, the major publication decides, okay, uh, here's what we're going to do. And this is, the, this is before Thanksgiving. Uh, we're going to contact Tweeden and see if we can get her to comment on whether or not it's her in the photo. I'm like, oh, God. So now you're giving her the power, first of all, to dictate the timing of this thing because now it's over Thanksgiving. So now we're, we've shot several days of when the heck this is going to come out. And you also, because it's a holiday, you're going to give her wide latitude. Plus, she's a victim. So therefore, she's, you know, you can't badger her. So, so now she gets wide latitude with regard to timing on when she's going to get back to you. You're basically giving her control over my article. And as of Friday, Tweeden still had not gotten back to them, which meant the article was like in some sort of limbo over the Thanksgiving holiday weekend, which actually I was kind of fine with, except for the fact that we live now in such an incredibly short attention span universe that who knows, by this coming week, the story might be old news and they're going to say, well, you know, we're not going to run it because of that. Then over the weekend, and it's, this to me is such a damning indictment of the news media and where we are, and especially in the atmosphere and the environment of this particular sex abuse firestorm, because and I've seen it happen numerous times before. Obviously, Penn State, Sandusky Paterno is the most uh, classic example in my experience. But once the news media buys a narrative, they become invested in it. And they don't want to do anything that discredits themselves. And so they stop vetting a story because they have no self-interest in it. And what's really mind-blowing about this is Franken's a liberal Democrat and a potential Democratic presidential nominee in 2020. And they're throwing their own guy under the bus. And why are they doing this? Well, I'll get to that momentarily, but I want to just finish up what's going on with this article. So the reason I mentioned the mainstream news media abandoning their, their duties is that everyday citizens are doing a heck of a lot better job, and that's what's happened in the Penn State case. Normal, everyday citizens who are not invested in an era, they just want to figure out what the truth is, they are doing a far better job of getting to the bottom of this. And as part of that effort, because people have seen on Twitter and Facebook that I'm you know, trying to get to the, what the truth of this is, and I'm interested in the subject, and I've gotten tweets from people who have sent me information. And one very nice lady sent me a, an article from 2009, which at the very end of the article, this is an article about the USO event honoring Al Franken, at the very bottom of the article, it states a couple of other supposed you know, celebrities that were at the event. And guess 
what name is in that paragraph. I'm going to give you one guess as to what name is in that paragraph. Yes, you guessed it, Leanne Tweeden. So I've now proven, proven beyond any shadow of a doubt that Leanne Tweeden was there. There's a photo of her with Franken laughing it up, and it sure as hell looks like her. And let's be clear, when you look like Leanne Tweeden, it's really difficult to find somebody else that looks like you, all right? This is not, <laughs> we're not finding another woman who looks like a plain Jane. We're, we're talking about a woman who's another species, okay? <laughs> so that's really important to keep in context. There, there are no other women just hanging around. <laughs> USO events that just happen to look like Leanne Tweeden. Leanne Tweeden is a celebrity or was a celebrity because of the way she looks. So the bottom line is, it's Leanne Tweeden. And so I email both the person who's the point man on this effort and the woman who emailed me saying, hey, we need verification on this. And all I've gotten so far is an email back from the, the woman saying, thanks, John. That's it. So, I mean, here I'm the one who is doing all the work. Two, I'm being kind of accused of lying. I mean, that's kind of the implication, right? That I, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm putting this publication at risk by referencing a photo that might not be real, as if this is my first freaking rodeo. As, I mean, and, and all I get is, thanks, John. And I know I pissed these people off with the DNA test uh, crack, and I also told the the point guy twice he was being silly, and that this is you know the proof of the burden of proof being way higher than it ought to be. So I have no idea the status of this effort, but it shows a lot of things. <laughs> it shows the environment we're in, the arbitrary enforcement of vetting rules to fit the narrative that the media is comfortable with. And it also shows how upside down everything is. I'm always talking about how upside down the world is. I never dreamed. (laughs) If you had told me, I mean, there's so many things I never would have dreamed. But if you had told me that I would have a difficult time as a conservative getting a mainstream publication to allow me to defend Al freaking Franken? I would have told you, you are completely insane. I would have told you there is no chance of that. I would have told you there is a better shot of Donald Trump being president of the United States. If you had told me that just a couple of years ago. And so why is this happening? Well, I think it has to do a lot with two things. I think it has to do with Bill Clinton and liberals now with their revisionist history, now they're trying to pretend that, oh, well, we were wrong about Clinton, so now we've, we've seen the error of our ways. And they're effectively sacrificing Al Franken to absolve themselves of their sins of defending Bill Clinton. Isn't that hilarious? I, I, I believe that's a large part of what's going on. Secondarily, I think what's also going on is the Roy Moore situation. I think that in an effort to try to get at Roy Moore and also Donald Trump, liberals feel as if they can't be hypocrites, and so therefore they're going to sacrifice Al Franken so that they can have credibility on Moore and Trump. 
politically, I can somewhat see that. Although, I, you know, what's going on with John Conyers kind of blows that whole thing out of the water since Nancy Pelosi went on national TV today and defended him as an icon. And the allegations against John Conyers are way, way worse than those against Al Franken. And let me just be clear about the Franken situation. I, I, under, I am well aware that three women have come forward since Tweeden and said that in photographs, he grabbed their butts. All right. Now, there's several problems. See, this is, I get, this is the way it works. The media buys in too fast to a narrative. That narrative then creates a firestorm, and then people start to come out of the woodwork, and those people are embraced with very low standards of proof. Why? Because the media doesn't want to admit that maybe they screwed up in accepting the original narrative. It becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. But can we use our brains for just a second? I realize that's difficult in this day and age. But for just a second, let's use our brains. Of the three women that are going after Franken for the photographed butt grabbing, one of them has put her name out there. One of those three. Her story on the surface appears to be credible because she supposedly told a lot of family members at the time and she posted it on Facebook with a comment indicating that he had molested her somewhat jokingly, but, you know, clearly indicating that there had been a problem. All that sounds very damaging, except there's a couple problems. Problem number one, in the photograph, the woman could not look happier, right? Not in a, oh my God, he just squeezed my butt sort of way, but she could not, she, she looks as happy as you could possibly look in the photograph. That doesn't disprove anything. But it's weird. Number two, the photograph is incredibly close up, so you have no idea where the hell Al Franken's hand is. And if this was really happening, this is the part where I'm suggesting people use their brains for a second. If this was Al Franken's M.O., he has no idea how far back the photograph is being taken, how much is being shown in the camera. If this was really going on, Al Franken has taken thousands of these photographs. He is not just a senator for a decade. He's a celebrity, right? So he has done this thousands of times in his life. Thousands. And there's not one photo? Because, by the way, when these are done, it's not just two or three people around. There's generally lots of people around. There's generally a line of people. And what's happening when there's a line? Everyone has a camera now. They're all taking photographs. Some people are taking videos. There would be voluminous, especially now, a week and a half later, voluminous evidence of Al Franken actually doing this. And oh, by the way, the Facebook post, where is it? CNN reported that there was a Facebook post, but they didn't show there was a Facebook post. Now, there was a time when even as cynical as I am, I would go, well, they just must not have shown it for some reason, privacy, whatever. No, I no longer, but no, I'm sorry. <laughs> the news media does not get that kind of pass anymore. I get very suspicious when they're not showing me what they're referencing. And oh, by the way, part of the story is that the accuser's sister commented on her Facebook page. But there's a problem with that. This event happened in 2010. Her sister's Facebook doesn't start till 2012. So how was she commenting in 2010? 
doesn't, again, there's, there's possible explanations, but no one wants to vet these things because it fits. Ah, it's a witch hunt. Let's go get them. Anything that supports the witch hunt, we're all in favor of. The other two accusations, the people didn't even put their names on it. The photos of alleged butt grabbing aren't even public. So it's an anonymous person at a time years ago. Franken's not even allowed to know who these people are, doesn't even know what they look like, doesn't know the, the, the photo. He has no idea what he's supposedly doing. How are you supposed to defend yourself against that? And again, I go back to just use your brain. If this was his MO, there would be tons of photographs. There would be lots of accusations. And by the way, maybe there'll be more. In fact, I'll be stunned if there aren't more because this has become such a big story. And the media is now allowing people to come forward anonymously. Anonymously. With no even, without even the showing of the photograph. That's insane. That is completely nuts. That's a recipe for chaos. That's a recipe. If you let that be the precedent, if that's the new rule, you're going to have people taken out on a regular basis on bogus allegations. Again, I don't like Al Franken at all. Interestingly, I emailed Victoria Jackson. Remember her from Saturday Night Live? Victoria and I are, are kind of old friends. Victoria claims that part of why she became a conservative was listening to my radio show. She attended the premiere of my first documentary film. She was on Saturday Night Live with Al Franken for six years. She's a conservative. She's nutty as hell, but she's lovable. And she's nutty in the sort of way that, you know, she's, she's like my, um, my wife's mother. Nutty, but in the, for some reason she gets the big picture correct a lot of times. There's other people like that. They don't know any idea of the details. They, they say a lot of crazy stuff, but they're in the big picture, they're usually right. And Victoria was on Saturday Night Live for six years with Al Franken, and she's one of the female cast members who is supporting Al Franken. I think 36 of them or something like that signed a letter this week supporting Al Franken saying that this is not who he is. Now, that was back when he wasn't a senator, He's a much younger guy. He's on a comedy show. If there's ever an environment where you're going to see somebody come out as you know, a serial groper or a, some sort of sex fiend or abuser, that's it. And they say it wasn't the case. And Victoria says it wasn't the case. She wrote to me, I can't believe I'm defending Al Franken, but this doesn't seem like him. So I, it's very, very frustrating. And it's bizarre. Uh, but it's also an indication of this crazy environment that we're in. And, you know, I'm just a guy that wants the truth. I want, if someone is going to be attacked, I want it to be based in reality. I want it to be based in factual information. I want it to make some sense. And I want it to not create dangerous precedents or rules for the future that are going to create all sorts of unintended consequences. But that's what we're doing here. So I don't know what's going to happen with that publication. You know, I think I'm 50-50 on whether that thing ever uh, sees the light of day. And if it doesn't, uh, then you know what it does? One, the one thing it really does, if that's the case, if I don't get this thing published, then I know for sure. I've always known it. But there's a, there's a difference between knowing it and knowing for sure that there's no chance the truth about the Penn State Sandusky thing is ever getting out. Because part of that whole story is, is based exactly in the precedents being set here. For instance, with regard to photographs. 
because every single one of the key accusers many years later was not just friendly with Sandusky. They were super friendly with the Sandusky and inviting him to their weddings and taking photographs with him and having their photograph in his book and not complaining about it or not mentioning it at all to anybody. I mean, there's all sorts of parallels. There's also another parallel with regard to this rope line phenomenon and George Bush 41 course got caught up in this there's like six or seven maybe eight women who have said that george bush 41 george herbert walker bush has groped them in photographs now all but one of them as far as i can tell are from when he's way past his presidency he's much older and some of these seem credible because they involve people joking about at the time him supposedly saying you know david cop a feel is my favorite magician. Okay, all of that sounds credible. It's not right. The guy clearly is not all with it. He's an old man. He's in a wheelchair. I mean, come on, people. I mean, and that's just, by the way, that's presuming that the stories are true. There's one story of him in 1992 as president doing this with a woman in, in a photo line, a rope line, whatever you want to call it. And I'm not buying that story. And the reason why I'm not buying that story is because I've seen it, the exact same situation happen in the Penn State Sandusky case. This woman openly acknowledged, she's a Republican, obviously, fan of, of Bush. She openly acknowledged, I never thought anything of it at the time. I thought it was a mistake. I'm paraphrasing, but that's almost exactly right. So she goes for, since 1992, remembering this oh it was that was weird the president grabbed my butt but thinking that it was a mistake but then what happens then she sees in the news that there's six or seven other allegations against a much older george herbert walker bush and so what happens her perception of bush changes dramatically now he's a serial groper. Now she goes back in her mind and says, oh, it must not have been a misunderstanding. That must have been on purpose. Except that doesn't make any damn sense. Because as a president of the United States, there's even, granted not everyone had a cell phone back then, but there's even more documentation. And he's doing this thousands of times there would be people coming out of the woodwork. There would be hundreds of people now saying, oh yeah, he did this to me too. And there was nothing special about this woman. Not that that would be why he would be grabbing her butt, but I mean, it's not like this, this, was a, this person had a butt that was particularly grabbable. It's just, just a normal woman going through the rope line. This, these things can happen by accident. I, I, I even did a demonstration with my wife at uh, Thanksgiving dinner. <laughs> not at, at dinner, after dinner, I was explaining. I said, here's my, here's my wife and I posing for a photograph. Now everything's fine. I moved my hand down two and a half inches. Now all of a sudden it's butt grabbing. I mean, we're talking about an incredibly small margin of error when you're doing this a thousand times. Guess what's going to happen? There's going to be mistakes. There's going to be misunderstandings. So I, I do not buy the the rope line narrative unless there are tons of people and at least some evidence and so far with franken there's not you know I've, I, with regard to sandusky i've used the loch ness monster example you know the loch ness in scotland right the loch there 
no one ever thought they saw a monster until people started saying there was a monster. Before there was a Loch Ness monster in myth and perception, people saw ripples in the water and shadows, and they said, oh, there's a ripple in the water, there's a shadow. Big deal. After everyone thinks there's a Loch Ness monster, they see the same exact ripple and the same exact shadow, and they go, holy shit, it's the Loch Ness monster! <laughs> That's the way perceptions work. And so once you are perceived as a groper, or in Sandusky's case, as a child molester, now all of a sudden, seemingly innocent things or irrelevant acts take on a far, far more sinister implication. And that's how railroading happens. And that's what I think we're happening, is happening here with regard to Franken and George Herbert Walker Bush. Not necessarily with John Conyers. <laughs> Because John Conyers is a nut who hasn't been with it for decades, and the allegations against him are exponentially worse than anything about Franken or George Herbert Walker Bush. And Nancy Pelosi's out there saying he's an icon. And by the way, I'm always suspicious when you get the protection of being a black icon, right? That This is going to sound racist. It's not. It's just the reality of the world. Because the media is going to protect you. The Democratic establishment is going to protect you. Accusers are going to be far less likely to come forward. These accusers sign settlement agreements anonymously. So it fits into a narrative that makes sense to me that Conyers could get away with this. Because of who he is, because he's been in Congress for so long, because he's an alleged civil rights leader, a black guy, the guy is out of it. I mean, for decades he's been out of it. You watch him talk for 15 seconds and you go, this guy's in Congress? Seriously? Seriously. And as far as Roy Moore is concerned, boy, you know, I've said a hundred times that one of the most dangerous things about the Trump presidency is the desensitization to insanity. But this week... The president of the United States, the head of the Republican Party, endorsed Roy Moore for Senate after credible allegations of effectively child abuse. Now, I don't know if all the stories are true. I don't know if they're all 100% true. But the stories are credible. And Trump is claiming, well, since he said they're not true, I'm going to have to take his word for it, and I'm going to endorse him. Even though virtually every sane person in the Republican Party has unendorsed Roy Moore, and some have even said, I hope that the Democrat wins. Now, what's interesting to me politically about this is it creates a set of uh, possibilities that Donald Trump, the president of the United States, who is incredibly popular, at least among Republicans in the Deep South, who won Alabama going away in a massive blowout, is now facing the very real possibility of having endorsed the losing candidate in the Republican primary and endorsing the losing candidate in the general election. (laughs) Now, that's really tough to do. That is really tough to do. Now, I don't know whether or not Moore is going to win or not. I think it's going to probably end up being pretty close because I don't think he's going to be forced out of the race because if he he was going to be, he already would be. And there's been enough time now where if there was a real bombshell. Now, 
let me make one caveat. There's a couple of more days, maybe the beginning of this week, where there's there logically could be a real bombshell that could come out about Roy Moore that was facilitated by these original allegations. The, the Thanksgiving holiday may have stunted the timing a little bit. So there's only another day or two where you can really get legitimately a Roy Moore bombshell. And barring that, he's not going to drop out. And if he doesn't drop out, his base is going to stay with him. And his base might be large enough to pull this out. I, I think it's pretty much a 50-50 proposition. But uh, I've said and I've written that the Republican Party should pray. Pray that Roy Moore loses. because And the Democratic Party should pray that he wins. Not that the Democrats even believe in prayer. But, but you know, the Democratic Party should, whatever they do, whatever God they worship, the global warming God, they should, they should, they should do a global warming God dance uh, hoping for Roy Moore to win. Because he will pay far, far greater dividends in the long run for Democrats than Doug Jones ever would by winning that seat for just a couple of years. I mentioned uh, in this realm that our uh, president now uh, is apparently saying, according to a report in The Hill, which is a pretty legitimate news organization, he's now telling people, apparently in response to the Roy Moore situation, that you know that Access Hollywood tape? Remember that? Yeah, uh, I remember I admitted to it, and I apologized sort of for it. Uh, Yeah, that tape is fake. That's what Trump is now saying, that the tape, the Access Hollywood tape is fake. It's just flat out ridiculous. That is scary. There have been a lot of very scary things that have been attributed to Trump. If this one is true, in many ways to me, it is the most disturbing thing directly coming from or about Trump that we have heard since he took office. Not because it's particularly significant. It's because it shows the level of delusion, which is to put it mildly, the level of mental illness, the level of narcissism, the willingness to lie. And by the way, that's the best scenario. The best scenario is that he's lying to people now about the Access Hollywood tape because in the post more era, it's beneficial for him to do so. That's the best scenario. The worst scenario is he actually believes it. That's the scary part, folks. There's a reasonable chance Donald Trump now really believes that the Access Hollywood tape was fake. That's the stuff of Mad Kings, all right? That's, that's the stuff you, you, you know, they make comedies about, uh, you know, in history. And we think, oh, my gosh, thank goodness that could never happen today. That is the most powerful man in the world with access to nuclear weapons, not having, forget about a firm grasp on reality, having any grasp on reality. And unfortunately, I'm leaning towards that being the explanation because it's consistent with a lot of other crazy crap. That we've heard out of Trump. Now, I realize his cult's never going to believe it because it's, oh, anonymous sources, anonymous... Folks, it's not just anonymous sources. We're hearing all sorts of stories consistent with the the guy who's completely out of his mind theory. You know, Tillerson saying he's a fucking moron. 
the um, you know one of his other cabinet members at a, at a party saying that he's a complete idiot and doesn't know what the hell he's doing, doesn't know what he's talking about. Uh, there was a story just out this week, a, a, a sitting senator in his own name on national television described how at a meeting between Democrats and Republicans about tax reform, Trump called in from overseas and couldn't shut up, and they got rid of him on the phone call by claiming that his cell coverage was bad, and they just told him, hey, you're brilliant, goodbye. And everyone got back to actually doing their work. That's the type of stuff that happens consistent with an insane person as your president. So this is not out of left field. This is consistent with everything else we're seeing. Another example. On Saturday, our president went golfing. Look, as a golfer, I'm fine with it. Frankly, I don't even want... I think it's fantastic when he's golfing because he can do less damage while golfing than doing anything else, okay? The only issue I have with Trump's golfing is his spectacular hypocrisy with regard to criticizing Obama for golfing because he constantly criticized Obama for golfing and he's on pace to golf three times as much as Barack Obama did in office. So I can't stand hypocrisy. But yesterday he goes golfing at his own golf club with Tiger Woods and Dustin Johnson, right? Now, when you think of the male ego, okay, He's president of the United States. He's golfing over Thanksgiving holiday with, uh, at his own golf club in Jupiter, Florida. And he's playing with Tiger Woods, most famous golfer in the world, and Dustin Johnson, the number one golfer in the world. Now, I don't care how badly you play. You got to feel pretty good about yourself, right? That, that, that's a good day. That's a pretty good day. I, you, you, there, there's really no reason to be agitated or feeling insecure. If you, if you don't feel good about yourself, then there's a major freaking problem. And what does Trump do after playing golf with Tiger Woods and Dustin Johnson? You know, and, and, and maybe, maybe because he's playing golf with Woods and Johnson and they're blowing the, you know, their drives 50, 60 yards past his and, you know, both of them are both very, very manly men who have had sex with women, you know, because women actually wanted to have sex with them as opposed to their money. Uh, you know, these are real alpha males. He's a fake alpha male. So maybe this is part of why he was feeling insecure. But after this event that should have made him feel pretty good about himself, Trump tweets that the Time Magazine people had contacted him to tell him he was probably going to be the time man of the year again for a second straight year, but that because they wanted a photo shoot and an interview and they weren't willing to tell him 100% that he was the guy, he said, sorry, see you later, no thanks. Now, first of all, the utter insecurity of that is just uh, embarrassing. It's embarrassing for anybody. It'd be embarrassing for any celebrity to do that. But for the President of the United States, it's, it's insane. That's number one. Uh, number two, I don't believe it was accurate. Time Magazine immediately uh, said that it was not accurate. And that, and that matters, folks. You know, I realize we've lost track of this, but the, the credibility of the President of the United States matters. 
But we've now gotten a situation where Trump could say anything, and I would my immediate reaction would be that that's probably not true. And eventually, it's going to be over something that's not trivial, like who the time man of the year is. How are we if we can't believe him about what Time Magazine told him, how could we possibly ever believe him if he said, for instance, it's time for us to go to war or anything else of significance? How could we possibly give him any semblance of credibility when you can't even trust him on something as ridiculous as that? But the, the utter insecurity of this man, it is pathological. It is utterly pathological and it is dangerous And I would be saying that if I had supported him or not. I'm not invested in him failing like some people probably believe. I just want us to get through this. I want us to somehow survive this with as little damage as possible. This is not a well man. And he has accomplished nothing. There's more indications that tax reform may never actually get done. Who the heck knows? I'm hopeful. If you can't get tax reform done, you can't get anything done. Because it's the one thing that's in the DNA of every single Republican in the House and the Senate. And obviously it's something that Trump wants. Because it's good for him. Because that's all he cares about is what's good for me. <laughs> and that, that, that's a really important point for me with regard to Trump. Look, I, you know, if he was an asshole, but his main focus was on doing what's right for America, I'd be like, you know what? Fine, I can put up with him being an asshole. But that's not his focus. His focus is about himself, which is why he's tweeting about him being Time Man of the Year, as if that's the most important thing going on in the world. What is to him? Because it's all about him. He's a a, a narcissist to the nth degree, an egomaniac, and it's not about America. It's not about making America great again. That's just a, That's just a scam. It's about placating Trump's ego. That's what he's all about. One other uh, note, you know, there's a lot of speculation over the Thanksgiving holiday that Mike Flynn, the former National Security Advisor, who it's just utterly amazing he ever even came close to that position, uh, supposedly has flipped on Trump in the Russia investigation. I, I don't, I'm, I think that's possible. I'm not 100% convinced of it. I do know that there is an entire cottage industry now on Twitter, Facebook, and in the media of people who are convinced that Robert Mueller is just simply uh, you know, dotting the I's and crossing the T's and is eventually going to take Trump out. I am not convinced of that, largely because I, I don't know that America cares enough. And I don't think that any part of his cult is going to leave him over this because he's done an amazing job of making sure that They were built to weather such a storm, which I don't think is coincidental. But if, in fact, Flynn has flipped, as is being widely speculated and presumed by a lot of people who seemingly are in the know, now things are going to get interesting. Because that's, I've always said, the only way Trump can possibly go down is either Paul Manafort or Mike Flynn have to flip on him, probably both. If, and I, I've said that, well, it didn't look like Manafort's flipped yet, so why would he now? That leaves Flynn. Well, the news is that Flynn's lawyers have told the Trump White House they can no longer communicate with them about the Trump-Russia investigation, which a lot of people have said, aha, this means that Flynn not only has flipped, but may have actually flipped a while ago. Again, if true, that's exceedingly significant and things could get very, very interesting in very short order. 
All right, that does it for hour number one of the World According to Zig podcast. Hour number two is my daughter, Grace. Make sure you check that out. <laughs> it it uh, didn't turn out quite as I hoped, but I still think it's uh, worthy of your listen if you're at all interested in the in the world according to a five-year-old girl, um, which, of course, I am because that's what runs my life. And hour number three, an update on last week's hour number three with a uh, some extraordinary new information regarding whether or not the Mike McQueary date in the so-called Penn State Joe Paterno Jerry Sandusky scandal is actually wrong, and have I actually proved it? I now feel even more strongly that I have. So check out hour number three. As always, I only ask two things of you: make sure you share this via Twitter, Facebook, or word of mouth. That's very much appreciated when you do. And number two, if you're one of those people who sleeps, and when you sleep, you use sheets. Pay attention to this important message. My name is John Ziegler. Our website is freespeechbroadcasting.com. Coffee? Oh, thanks. How did you sleep? Ugh, like a baby. I don't want to get out of bed. Ever. These sheets are... Mm, incredibly soft. What did you say they're called again? Performance bedding by Sheiks. <laughs> performance bedding? <laughs> yeah. They're made from super high-tech performance fabric. They're incredibly breathable, so you're not waking up at night throwing covers off and then an hour later throwing them back on. Huh. No wonder I slept so good. Since I started using Sheiks, I sleep like a baby. No more sweaty nights for me. No? Well. <laughs> well, I like them because they're soft. They feel like, mm, silk. Performance fabric, huh? Maybe we should, oh, I don't know. Try them out again. <laughs> <laughs> Comfort and performance for better sleep. That's Sheiks. S-H-E-E-X. Sheiks. Try Sheiks for 30 nights risk-free. Go to sleepcoolnow.com. Use promo code 1212 and get $40 off any sheet set. That's sleepcoolnow.com, promo code 1212. Sleepcoolnow.com, one, two, one, two.